Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, Mel, our co-host. And Mel, we are in the third and final installment of this mental health series. It has been such a good series. I've learned so much. I'm so thankful for all of these very impactful stories Mm -hmm. from these women. These are the conversations that oftentimes the church doesn't have. There's there's kind of an emergence of conversations about mental health, but I'm really glad that we get to be on the front lines of this. I was having a a conversation with somebody the other day who had just started listening to the podcast, and they were commenting on that. They were like, man, it's really cool what you guys are doing in the space of healing from trauma, from trial. And um, it's it's just, uh, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I enjoy the fact that we're kind of on the front lines of doing that. But it also comes with some limitations because we're not the experts in it. And so right. we wanted to make sure that we brought expertise into the equation. And so for the past couple episodes, we brought on one of our resident counselors, Allison Cook, to commentate on these episodes. And so you're going to want to stick around after this interview. Allison's back to give us some of her thoughts, her commentary, and her resourcing on this particular topic. It's awesome. If you need to know a little bit more about Allison, if you want to stop the episode, you can go back and listen to our episode with Allison Cook on episode 68 and our August bonus episode. Yeah. Episode 68 was one of my favorite ones. Like I was writing notes throughout the whole <laughs> interview. She's <laughs> like, sharp. So many good t- takeaways that I had. She um, is. But I really got a lot of out of today's episode with Casey and Natalie. Um, I love that they were roommates and walked through adversity together. And, um, and I think one thing that I found super encouraging is they knew when they couldn't be enough for one another, that mm. whenever mm-hmm. uh, it extended past the support that they could give each other. And so, um, I just was very encouraged. Like when they said like, Hey, we started getting professional help, yeah. a counselor or, um, even medicine. And, um, mm. and I can tell you from my own personal experience, Davey, that, um, you know, some speaking of things that the church doesn't love to talk about, but I think that sometimes we don't look at mental health as, um, we, we kind of put that in as a spiritual struggle and not a mm. physical struggle. And so, yeah. um, it, the brain can be sick, just like a arm can be broken. And, right. um, unfortunately I, um, have had an experience where, um, I attended a church and they discouraged medicine. Uh, when I, uh, it was shortly after we had miscarried and we were walking through infertility and I know, uh, I mean, my mom was like, you should get mm. on some medicine, my husband, my doctor. And, um, I, you know, just being, I love Jesus and I didn't want to do anything wrong. And here, I, you know, somebody saying, don't do this. And, mm. um, and so I had to really step back and, um, say, no, medicine is a mercy. God mm. has given this to us. And I will tell you that I am on it right now for anxiety and, uh, I am such a better mother on it. And I really don't plan on being on it for very long. I just, for some reason, my 
body struggles whenever I stop nursing, my mm. hormones just go whack and, um, and I need it to recalibrate. And so yeah. anyway, I, that's one of the things that I was super thankful for Casey and Natalie sharing with, because I think that the church thinks that you just need to have more faith or you just right. need to just pray, pray. It away or yeah, yeah, absolutely. Philippians four seven. <laughs> right, right. And while you know the those things are true, it doesn't necessarily f- cover the gamut of truth. It's like it, it's true to an extent, you know. And the yeah. reality of mental health is that it's both a spiritual and a physical issue. And I think the church oftentimes dismisses the physical side of it, and then psychology dismisses the spiritual side of it or the gospel orientation of it, and. Yeah. I, th- I think I appreciate the perspective that these two gals bring and that it's a both and together yeah. and the ministry that they're a part of, it brings that perspective that says, hey, this is a both and, you know, like, Mel, I'm going to get my wisdom teeth taken out here at some point in the next few months. I'm holding that at bay because I'm 33 years old and I haven't <laughs> had my wisdom teeth taken out. And they're like, the recovery is terrible. You know, when I get my wisdom teeth taken out, you better believe if they give me Vicodin for a little bit, I'm taking Vicodin. <laughs> like there yeah. needs to be some healing that is done. And then, you know, just like any kind of medication, I have to be aware of the fact that I need to use it as prescribed and use it for the season that it's prescribed and then mm. not develop a reliance or a dependence on that, but to recognize it's there for a season to help me heal. And so I think what is beautiful about the marrying of medicine as well as um, uh, the this, this spiritual stuff that's going on is medicine gives us a chance to recalibrate a little bit so that we can dig into like, what potentially is happening spiritually. Because sometimes you can't address the deep spiritual issues until you kind of get those physical issues like back to homeostasis, you know? Exactly. And so, I, you know, I always want to tell people like, hey, approach both of these things. Understand it's both and, you know, and there's some things that you can do to really bring your body into homeostasis that doesn't require medicine. It's other kinds of, you know, healing techniques and and things, you know, Uh, diet, exercise, all that stuff. But but no matter what, we've got to recognize that it is both and. It is spiritual and it is physical. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just so appreciate the conversation they're having. I appreciate the, the ministry and, and what, they're, what they're bringing forth in the conversation as far as this ministry is concerned. So yeah, absolutely. Well, Davey, um, something that I'm looking forward to besides this episode is our Israel trip um, that we're going to be taking in October yes. 2020. Um, so between now and October, <laughs> sorry, September 30th, if you subscribe to our email list, you will have access to our trip and yeah. you can fill out, you can click on the registration link and um, get signed up to go with us. Right. So to be clear, on September 30th. We're sending an email out to all of our email subscribers saying, here is the link. This is how you register. Only 50 spots available. October 12th through the 20th of 2020 is our trip. And uh, Mel, honestly, those 50 spots might be, we need to check. I better check. Those 50 spots might already be taken. So I'm sorry if it is. But more than likely, you may have a spot if you can get on this email subscriber list. And so... October, or excuse me, September 30th. I'll send out an email. You can get access to that. We want you on this trip. It's going to be a lot of fun. While you're there, rate and review the podcast. Jump on iTunes. Yeah, Davey. I also have a review. I'm, I just butt in. Nice. I love, yeah. I love hearing reviews. You can always interrupt me with a review. I know. And this is a good one. This is a good one. Um, this person entitled it My Favorite Podcast. Wow. So thank you for that. That's so endearing. 
Um, they said, I have followed Davy Blackburn's story since I heard the news about Amanda years ago. I'm amazed by how he and his family have used this tragedy to really share the gospel and how God redeems and brings good out of horrible tragedy. Mm. I haven't listened to every single episode, but the ones I have heard have really impacted me. I'm amazed at these people's stories and how they have learned, leaned on God during these times. I often think this would not be me. I love God, but I truly believe that the peace that surpasses all understanding makes the difference for these believers, and it would for me too. Thank you for the awesome work. These stories are so impactful. Wow. Wow. We so appreciate that. We would love if you would write a review as well. We love to read those. It encourages us. So go to iTunes, do that. While you're at it, follow us on Instagram, Nothing is Wasted Ministries. And why don't we jump into my conversation with Casey Pruitt and Natalie Franks. Casey, Natalie, great to have you guys on the podcast. Thanks Thank for joining me. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> you guys are joining me from two different locations. This is brand new. We've never done this before. So how do you feel oh. about that? We've never like... <laughs> I'm pretty excited in, about it. Yes. I'm telling you. Brought in multiple people from multiple locations. So let's do this. Why don't you each tell us where you're, where you're living, where you're from, and kind of what you do right now. And then we'll use that as a launch pad to uh, step back into your story, how you Perfect. guys got connected. That sounds good. Well, I'm Natalie and I am in Southern California and currently I am the, what I know, a, what a tough, rough, tough, what a tough rough living. Life. Today it is actually raining, surprisingly, the one day of the Somebody's year where it's not, not, not Jesus, sunny. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I am currently the executive, executive director of programs for the Grace Alliance. And so I really do a lot of um, the content creation for our living and family grace groups. Um, and I'm currently in the midst of rewriting and coming up with some new curriculum that we were, are planning on launching um, in the fall or 2020, wow. actually. Yeah. That so a so lot cool. of busy work, but really uh, fruitful and exciting work. That's incredible. And the listener yeah. doesn't know this, that we, but we, I literally have not had any kind of a conversation about your backgrounds or what you guys do. I have no yeah. idea. I'm so yeah. fascinated by this, Natalie, because we're in the process of writing a bunch of curriculum for groups and stuff that we're yeah. doing as well. So off air, we're going to have to have some conversations. <laughs> yes, I love it. Let's <laughs> do it. It's so fun to talk and collaborate yeah. about that. It'd be good. Yeah, and awesome. I, I have my background in occupational therapy as well. So I bring that insight um, with my own personal experience with anxiety, depression, mood instability, wow. which we can get into later, but all yes. that um, kind of comes in together as, uh, as I'm able to work with the Grace Lion. So it's pretty, pretty cool experience. That is so cool. Okay. Yeah. Casey. Yeah. What about so, you? Um, I am located in Houston. I'm actually originally from Southern California. So, uh, the weather has been a bit of an adjustment <laughs> for me here. Um, but we actually have some nice weather today. So we're yes. kind of, um, flipping the switch here. Um, but yeah, I work as the executive director of operations for the Grace Alliance. And um, I also do a lot of our, our marketing, uh, wear a lot of hats, but basically I just get to help keep things running smoothly and also yeah. just letting people know about what is going on um, and what we have available. Um, we have never really had to do much advertisement or anything because it's just, you know, word of mouth, people mm. needing um, resources for mental health, um, especially within the church. So um, that's, you know, it keeps my role easy, but it yeah. also, um, we just want people to experience help in whatever way they need it. 
So I get to I get to do that with the Grace Alliance. That's so cool. Yeah, tell us for the listeners who don't who are not familiar with the Grace Alliance, what exactly do you guys do? Tell us about the organization as a whole. Yeah, so we are a mental health a mental health nonprofit, um, and we work primarily with churches. And what we really do is just kind of resourcing churches with um, our kind of our primary thing is small group curriculum uh, that discusses kind of both the faith aspect and also the kind of the science side of mental health. So it's really opening up that conversation um, and making it just more normalized um, and also just giving information and um, support, but also practical tools. So um, we're really there to just help resource um, and really empower people within their churches. You know, we kind of realized off the bat, like we can't, be everywhere. And so mm-hmm. we, what we really want to do is empower people within their own churches mm-hmm. um, and communities, schools. I mean, people are kind of using it all over the place, not just in churches, yeah. um, but really kind of helping people have that, you know, kind of psychology, that whole aspect yeah. and faith has been separated for so long. And so people were having a hard time bridging that gap and trying to figure out what, what does this mean? Like, what, what does this mean in terms right. of my faith and um, I mean, that kind of gets into our story a little bit is just yeah. like, you can't take Jesus out of that process. And so yeah. um, that's kind of what we are hoping to help people do is, okay, let's bring it all together. That is that is so cool because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, for for a while, like you just said, there's been this idea of separating the two, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously there's so much political movement about that separation of church and state. And then obviously the more we come into this, like, you know, post enlightenment era mm-hmm. where everything is focused on science and, you know, we begin to think and our culture begins to think that science explains away God or explains mm-hmm. away uh, our faith. And so we've got that more as an anchor, right. but we realize when we walk through things like this, that that is not a very helpful anchor by, by mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. Although, Sometimes in faith communities, we totally throw out the science because mm-hmm. of, it's like a pendulum reaction. <laughs> right. You're the to opposite that. end of the spectrum. Yeah. yeah. And you guys are marrying the two, which I absolutely mm-hmm. love. And I was about to ask the question, oh, wait, how do you marry those two until you said <laughs> this plays into your story? So why don't we talk about your story a little bit? Because I yeah. have a feeling you're going to kind of talk through how those two things get married yeah. um, and how that is helpful for us as we're as we're walking through uh, life, especially when it comes to um, our mental health. So yeah. why don't you take me back, talk to me about how you guys got connected. What What's your story? Definitely. Well, I'll jump on in. Um, I have struggled with anxiety pretty much in my whole entire life. I can remember as a kid laying in bed with racing thoughts, having to talk out loud because they would not go away. And that kind of just translated mm-hmm. through every area of life. I saw it creep into schoolwork. I saw it creep into athletics to the point of throwing up because of nerves before every soccer Mm. game. And I was always the high achiever and I was always the one who did everything to perform. And so I gained this over time, this ability to kind of hide everything that was uh, going on inside. So fast forward to USC, where I met Casey for the first time, I had um, really sunk into a low depression and was battling with extreme anxiety, mood instability. But I had taken that ability to put on this wonderful facade and nobody, including my own family, knew what was going on. And um, Mm. all the while, I was trying to get my master's degree and my bachelor's degree within five years. So I was in an accelerated program 
and was just, you know, fulfilling that performer achiever kind of role. But internally I was, I was literally crumbling inside. I Mm. was not getting sleep. I was pulling all nighters. I wasn't eating. I wasn't exercising. When I, you know, got within closed doors, it was like, it all, all fell down, um, to the point of Mm. having, you know, suicidal thoughts and this was about sophomore year of college. And, um, and then I, I met Casey, who you can jump in case and kind of tell that progression of where our story went from kind of first meeting. Yeah. But that's the background of kind of the mm-hmm. state I was yeah. in when we first met. Right. Wow. Yeah. So I was working with a Christian uh, college organization at the time. And so that's how Natalie and I met. I um, had just joined staff with them and I had also been a student at USC. So I really understood kind of the pressures of being a college student and um, in a place where just achievement, perfection, I mean, that's kind of what was expected. And so as I saw Natalie kind of struggling, I, at first I just kind of thought like, well, welcome to college life. (laughs) This is just, this is just the reality. Like, yeah, you, you drink Red Bull to stay awake to study, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you, are pulling all-nighters, you have like a thousand different commitments because everything mm-hmm. feels like a priority. Um, and so I really, in the beginning, thought kind of what she was experiencing could be explained away by those things. And so mm-hmm. um, during Natalie's uh, final year of her master's program, um, we ended up being roommates. And so that was kind of the first time that I could really get a good view into what was actually going on Mm -hmm. um, and started to just realize like, this is more than just your average college stress. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, she was really struggling. um, And I think the hardest thing for me was I had no idea how to help her. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was, gosh, this was like almost 10 years ago. Um, And so this was really back when, um, and it's weird to think that like that was 10 years ago, but back when mental health was not talked about. Yeah, talk about um, this, yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's really strange to think how far we've come even just within yeah. that short amount of time, but, yeah. um, nobody was talking about it then. Mm-hmm. And especially in Christian circles. Um, and right. so we had nowhere to turn. There were no, like, especially Christian resources. Um, and so, you know, we, for a long time, it was just like me and Natalie, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like she, I was the only person she felt like she could talk to about it. And, um, I didn't feel like, you know, back then it felt like you had to keep it a secret. And so I felt like I was holding on to this secret, um, that felt really weighty. Um, and like in the midst of that, I'm also in ministry and my job Mm -hmm. is to be pouring into girls and, like I would walk onto campus already very relationally drained because I was trying to help my friend. Um, And so what, I mean, what that ended up in is like, we were both not in good places um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we were both basically living in isolation with that and didn't really feel like there was anywhere else to turn. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of, um, I mean, the very, very short version of our story and, um, at least the beginning of it. And that's what kind of ended up leading us to the Grace Alliance is we just saw this huge need. Um, and I mean, I was very resistant to like, 
being a part of anything when it came to a job in terms of this. I mean, Natalie had a background in occupational therapy with an mm. emphasis in mental health. Um, and I studied public relations. So <laughs> it was like, yeah. yeah, I'm not equipped to do this, nor do I really <laughs> want to. Um, but yeah, I, I think that once we started researching um, and mm. we kind of even like wrote down like what what are the needs? Like what do we personally experience as the needs? What would we want something to look like? Um, and we were going to start our own organization and then ended up coming across the Grace mm. Alliance. Mm-hmm. Wow. Casey, what caused you to lean in to Natalie? I mean, outside of you being her roommate, but I mean, very easily you could mm-hmm. have adopted the same mentality that everybody else was mm-hmm. adopting around the situation. It was like, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to help you to an extent, but there's going to be something that's above my pay grade, so to speak, that we're going to hit this threshold. Yes. And it's like, okay, then I'm just going to dismiss or kind of put a stiff arm right. to Natalie, <laughs> yeah. which would have yeah. been very easy to do because yes. that's what seemingly the culture was doing at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. What really drew you in to lean into this a little bit more and start to uncover with her yeah. what was actually happening here? Yeah, no, great question. Um, and uh, there are two sides of it, I think. Um, hmm. First of all, um, I think there's the, the unhealthy side. Um, I mean, the side that like, I just want to fix it. Like, I want to yeah. fix this problem. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we joke about like, you know, husbands always wanted to be the fix it person. I'm like, I think that I'm probably just as guilty of that, that <laughs> tendency. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. you know, like I just, I wanted to help figure out this problem. You know, I wanted to, um, you know, and I think that that was like coming out of my own unhealth at the time. Like mm. I, I was very much just in this, like, okay, let's, let's fix Natalie mentality. Um, and so, uh, you know, and we've talked about this, like that creates like such an unhealthy dynamic, like very codependent. Mm. Um, and, you know, to the point where, you know, we're not bringing anyone else into this process. And, Mm. um, and so, you know, that was one side of it. And then I think the other side was just feeling like, well, like if, if I'm not helping, who's going to help? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I was the only one who knew for a long time. And so I was worried, you know, and I, she was my best friend. So I, I wanted her to get better. Um, and you know, I felt like, okay, I don't have a, you know, at, at a certain point I felt like, if, if nobody else is, if I don't do this, nobody else is going to, um, you know, be there to help her. And so, um, you know, it was kind of, there's, there's unhealthy and healthy parts of that, you know? And I think that that's the dynamic of of friendship and especially friendship during suffering. Mm -hmm. Right. That's so true. It's a very interesting dynamic. And I wonder if you can speak to that a little bit because, you find yourself in this tension of, especially when you're in ministry, helping other people in pain Mm -hmm. of having to recognize, wait, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the savior. (laughs) I can't, I can't do anything to fix this person. And yet we can't heal in isolation as well. Mm -hmm. So there's an element at which I am an important part of this but God doesn't need me. So I can't, I better not adopt <laughs> yeah. this. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's like that crazy, t- yeah. it is, it's such a difficult tension. And I wonder if both of you guys can speak to that in terms of if, if someone's listening to this and they're going, okay, I don't know how to help a friend of mm-hmm. mine or a family member mm-hmm. of mine who is suffering with some mental illness. I don't know to what extent do I give and to what extent do I set up boundaries mm-hmm. and yeah. You know, I'm sure it's a I'm sure it's an art, it's not a science. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of some helpful things that you guys learned along that process? 
Yes, for sure. I'll let Natalie <laughs> jump in though. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that really the first thing that was a huge benefit to us was recognizing and kind of like calling the unhealth as it as it was and as it, you know, as it mm. is. And so recognizing, and I think it was probably a little bit harder for me because I was still in that place of suffering. I wasn't maybe right. necessarily seeing it. And the sense of like um, a friend becoming that sole emotional support for me, mm. the thought of having that stripped away was extremely fearful. But at the same time, I knew that this was not a healthy relationship. I, I could not depend upon Casey as my friend, my doctor, my savior, you yeah. know, my roommate, all of these roles that because of the silence that surrounded mental health, mental illness, she really kind of she took on those roles um, as my friend. Right. And so right. I think the first step for us was really just identifying this is an unhealthy relationship yeah. and an unhealthy friendship. And, um, you know, from that point on, I feel like when you are able to identify, you know, what's going on within that friendship, then you're opening up more room to take steps to create healthy boundaries, mm. um, which I think was what we ended up needing to do was a little bit of separation as far as we moved out of our apartment. And um, mm. I think that Casey was able to jump into more of the friend role when I was willing to kind of take a step to recognize that I needed to bring other people into the picture, mm. including um, going to see a psychiatrist and seeing a therapist and, you know, having discussions with my family. But it didn't come without a fight because yeah. still at that time, the topic surrounding mental illness was you know, you're lacking of faith. It was all kind of yeah. projected towards, I need to fix things in my life and that's what's going on. Um, mm, wow. And so kind of identifying the struggle, identifying the reality and then, and then me as far as my own personal willingness to say, okay, I need to let other people into this struggle with me. Wow. So what you're saying is like, it's, you know, we say often in parenting, it takes a village. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it takes a village. Healing, it takes a village <laughs> yes. too. And that helps to be, provide a buffer for you as the person who's walking through suffering to not form this unhealthy codependent relationship with any one person. Yes. The, the way that we do that is then identify, okay, what role is this person supposed to play in my life? And mm -hmm. I'm going to keep that, this person in this lane yes. with this role, wearing this hat. And then I'm going to find what I need, you know, outside of this person in someone else who can wear this particular mm -hmm. hat that's mm -hmm. going to provide yeah. this particular need for me. That's so fascinating. I never thought about it like that, but that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. How, how, how do you, if someone's listening, if they're like, like, what are some indicators that, wait a minute, I, this relationship has gotten to an unhealthy codependent place. Is there like signs that you should look for or yeah. what, what did you guys, how did that, how did that begin to kind of um, surface for you guys to yeah. go, wait a minute, we've got to, we've got to change this. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there might be some of the obvious ones like, you know, you're only hanging out with each other or, um, mm. you know, like there's kind of this tension of, um, you know, like you, you feeling like the sole supporter of the person, especially mm. when there is some like difficulty going on. Um, mm. and, um, yeah, I mean, I think like really the, the biggest thing is like, do you have like other close friendships, um, mm. and relationships outside of that? And, you know, I think that, um, I remember a friend saying like friendships take time to develop. Um, and so when you move through things really quickly, and a lot of times like that happens when you're experiencing like suffering at the same time, or you're both mm -hmm. in a, not in a good place. 
um, when you feel really close to someone really quickly, um, you know, it's kind of an indication of like, Hey, are like, let's slow things down. You know, like, Mm. let's make sure that we are maintaining other friendships. And I think it's like, you see in scripture all the time, like, you know, the kind of the example of that we're not supposed to just be connected to one person and that people Mm. play different roles, like in the church, in our lives, um, in our community. And so, um, I think that that goes for any sort of friendship. Um, and I think that, you know, like it's, it, it feels fun to like be closely connected to someone and feel like, oh my gosh, this yeah. person just gets me. Right. And like, those this are good things and this that's, my, that's yeah, hard. These, yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but just make sure that you like you're maintaining, um, you know, other friendships and relationships mm. in your life outside of that. Mm. Wow. That is so good. Just taking a quick break from this conversation to let you know about one of our additional resources you can gain access to by becoming one of our Nothing Is Wasted monthly partners. Our team started noticing that after recording interviews with our guests, we would naturally sit around discussing takeaways and profound moments that impacted each of us. We thought it would be a great idea to share that with you. That is why we have recorded 10-minute commentaries for each episode. You can access these commentaries and much more bonus content by making a tax-deductible donation of $5, $10, or $20 a month to Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Just head to nothingiswasted.com slash partners to sign up. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash partners. Now take a listen to an excerpt from a commentary we did about this very episode before we get back to our interview. There are physical things, physical rhythms that we need to have in place in our life to combat against the the letdown. There's um, rest and Sabbath. There's exercise. There's nutrition. There's um, this, the self-care elements of just getting alone, solitude, stillness. There's all these different kinds of physical things that are going to help our bodies to maintain um, the rigor that our body goes through when we are, especially when we're in ministry or when we're helping other people or we're going about life, we're parenting, we're working, all that kind of stuff. We've got to take care of ourselves. Self-care is not selfish if Jesus is at the center of it. It's good stewardship. It's stewarding our body well so that we can continue to be healthy and so that we can then be, be able to combat the spiritual lies that are being thrown at us. Natalie, as you guys began to kind of dive into um, healing mm-hmm. in this, like as, as you began to uncover, I mean, you know, Casey, you referenced it, that at first you kind of dismissed it as this, mm-hmm. oh, the, this is the pressure of college. And this is what <laughs> yeah. you, this is, everyone feels anxious. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone's worried about the exam. Everyone's worried about the, mm-hmm. the term paper that they're going to have to, you know, that's due tomorrow and they're yes. playing all-nighters and there is an element of that that's like it's stress mm-hmm. and there's some good stress, but you guys recognize this is not healthy stress mm-hmm. that you're dealing with. There's some unhealth here, yeah. quite a bit of it. Um, what what did you begin begin to uncover as you were as you were diving into those things? 
uncover as far as what I was seeing as far as the unhealth yeah, or yeah how did you begin to maybe let me ask it this way how did you begin to recognize it as this is more than just yeah. typical stress yeah then then the typical college experience mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah I, I I definitely think that you know there was I like to say it as I was there were behaviors that I was doing that was contributing to the unhealth that was maybe a little bit deeper than just the college experience. Mm. But I, um, I would say that as I started to, I don't know, bring other people in, I was very surprised to know that other people had kind of known that there was something going on. Um, I was isolating. I was not, um, I was not my normal self. And, and I think that as I started to uncover, um, beyond just the the typical behaviors of the college student, I was finding a lot of darkness, a lot of mm. um, negative thinking. I was, you know, finding a lot of self harm, you know, thoughts that were revolving revolving around self harm, mm. self hate, um, and so internally, I was feeling like my world was dark, black, you know, crumbling within, and externally, I was still presenting this. I mm. can still manage my schoolwork. I'm still getting a 4.0. Um, I would find myself going to the health science campus and sitting in class doing the perfectionist performance mentality. And then I would <clears throat> retreat to my car and sleep in my car for my lunch break. Um, mm. I didn't want to be around people. <clears throat> I didn't want to tell anyone what was going on. And so these little patterns, I thought I was hiding it really well. My friends were starting to see what was really going on. Um, and so I, I you know, I, Beyond the, the facade, really the darkness, the depression, um, the self-harm, the self-hate, the mm. desire to escape, the desire to isolate, um, all of those things were starting to come to the surface. And those were the things that Casey was starting to see. Um, oh, wow, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So you mentioned just a second ago that you felt like there were some behaviors that you were doing that was mm-hmm. contributing to this. Yes. I think that's one of the big questions, you know, that we get asked a lot, you know, what, what leads to anxiety? What Mm -hmm. exactly is anxiety? What is the, what's happening Mm -hmm. within this? And obviously that's a really large question (laughs) (laughs) for you guys to try to summarize. But, and then, then there's the questions of like, okay, is it the chicken or the egg that Mm -hmm. comes first? Right. Especially when you begin to marry science and faith, faith. Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you begin to marry what's happening to me physically and chemically Mm -hmm. And what's happening to me spiritually and emotionally and how all those intertwine yeah. is mm-hmm. one thing emotionally leading to a chemical imbalance mm-hmm. or is it the chemical imbalance that's leading to it? so on and so forth. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let me see if I can <laughs> narrow all this down to a question. Maybe you yeah. guys can help guide us this because I'd love to shed some light on yeah. this for our listeners as you guys were discovering it. So for you at first, do you feel like that this is something that there were behavior you said there were behaviors that were contributing to mm-hmm. this like how did you how did you if you if you were to step back and diagnose it now mm-hmm. how did you find yourself in this place yeah we'll so start there. i i think for me the underlying piece of anxiety was always present um, and mm-hmm. that was, you know, something that I can, I can look at my family and I can pinpoint yeah, I was that. I say, is that like a personality thing or, it, or it, is, it has made its way down, down the, the chain in my family. And so okay. I can, I can definitely see the genetic component there. That's yeah. undeniable. But I think when it came to adding the pressure of school for me, the patterns of not sleeping at all, um, you mm-hmm. know, really pulling all nighter after all nighter, 
the, the caffeine, um, the lack of eating, all of those things, it's undeniable that whether you're struggling with, you know, anxiety, depression, that type of living pattern is going to affect you, um, mm-hmm. you know, to some extent. And so seeing that, okay, if my baseline is, you know, anxious, and then I'm adding on, you know, four Red Bulls a day, and I'm adding on mm-hmm. lack of sleep, and I'm ac- adding on no exercise, no outlets, you know, no social support. Um, and so all of those things contributing. And I think, basically taking this small little snowball and you've got this ginormous um, oh. snowball that has just continued to roll and adding all of those things. Mm. So I think that is um, how I, taking a step back, seeing how kind of it evolved into a really dangerous situation for myself with limited yeah. insight at the same time, you know, not right. knowing that this is contributing to this. It was really all that I knew how to do. Right. So basically... There, there is a, there's a genetic or a family of origin type element mm-hmm. in your history. So there's a propensity toward that. Yes. However, all of these other behaviors began to exacerbate that propensity. Yes. And so then as you are having all this compounded on, a, on itself, how did you begin to unravel or un, un uh, yeah kind of <laughs> peel back the layers of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, a great, yeah. Good, that's a good metaphor unsnowball. <laughs> yeah. how do we un-snowball. <laughs> i don't know if you can melt it no um it was a process and i think that mm. that right off the bat if i could encourage anyone who is like finding them, themselves with this ginormous snowball and they're not sure what to do or you know how do i unravel it's a process and it, mm. it, it, you know, we, we find ourselves often in a place where we want to jump from, you know, the start to the finish line. I want to, oh, I want the overnight fix. I want all these behaviors, the feelings that I'm experiencing, the emotions to be gone. And I think for, for me, it was the gradual baby steps and, mm. um, it was the step of identifying, okay, there's something a little bit deeper going on, you know, beyond just the stress of school. I know that I've got um, uncontrollable anxiety and depression. And that first mm. step for me was knowing I need to see a doctor. I know that mm. I need to um, bring someone else onto my support team. Um, and then from that point, once I was starting on <clears throat> kind of getting a baseline of taking medication, trying to get the chemical imbalance um, kind of levelized, I took the next step of, okay, I need to talk about what I'm experiencing with someone other Mm. than Casey. So that was kind of the next step of, I need to bring in a therapist. So I started driving down to Orange Mm. County one day a week, sometimes two, um, to meet with someone to kind of, okay, I'm adding one more person to my support team. Mm. Um, And then the next kind of layer for me was I am living at USC. I I need a support team of friends surrounding me beyond just Casey. So I'm going to kind of entrust some other really close friends and, and bring them in, not to become dependent upon them, but for them to c- kind of be there for mm-hmm. me, um, to listen, yeah. to hear what's going on, and also keep me accountable to kind of the, some of the lifestyle changes that I needed to make. And mm. kind of that next step layer for me was setting boundaries. You know, I don't need to say yes to every ministry commitment. I don't need to carry the weight of having to get a 4.0 um, I need to really take it down to the basic levels of setting a time really for to go to bed. I needed an mm. alarm clock to get myself into bed rather than pulling an all-nighter, um, bringing exercise as a component. So 
I think finding those little elements and the baby steps for me, how can I care for myself physically? How can I care for myself spiritually? Um, And that, that piece was a little bit harder for me because I think the faith element, I was, I was hurt by the, the, the community that I was a part of because we weren't talking about mental illness and, and Mm. where faith kind of collided. Um, And so, Mm. you know, that was a, that was a hard piece for me. Um, But then identifying, you know, what's that baby step emotionally um, and relationally, how are, what are those small steps that I can take in those different areas um, to really find healing and care? Wow. Where that's a, a great point, you know, I think, and in, in very much probably a, a very real, um, in a very real way, you were misunderstood by the mm-hmm. faith community that you were a part of. And so where there's misunderstanding, there's often, you know, ostracizing or mm-hmm. marginalizing and or rejection or, um, but you discovered that there's not just an element of um, a physiological treatment, practical mm-hmm. treatment that needs to play in here, but there is also the faith side of things. Mm-hmm. And in faith communities, we can tend to say, we can tend to throw a verse at you or mm-hmm. say, pray about it more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's so not helpful. However, the promises of God's word do play into all of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Philippians 4 uh, says, be anxious for nothing. Yeah. That one just gets thrown all the time. Yeah. It's like, you know, but what's so funny, you look at Matthew 7, you see Jesus and he's like talking about, hey, don't worry. Literally, yeah. he's like, oh, yeah. thanks, Bob Marley. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, I the it. sentiment. Don't worry. Yeah. Easy yeah. for you to say, you know the future, you know everything is happening. I don't. I'm sitting in this right now and you're telling mm-hmm. me, don't worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do I and even so do there, that? Yeah. yeah. So, so we can obviously get frustrated by that if we're sitting in, you know, the seat of, okay, I keep getting these verses and and just pray about it thrown at me, mm-hmm. but there is an element of faith that is involved in mm-hmm. all of this. Talk to me about the tension between all yeah. those things and the marrying of those two and where faith comes in and where, you know, yeah. science and physiology, physiological I, stuff. Comes I definitely in. think the, um, at that point in my life, it was, you know, I had gone to a couple different churches and, you know, it was the verses of, you need to pray, you need to get on your knees and pray. And even <laughs> my own mom out of love and like not knowing what to do, you know, when you get out of bed in the morning, you just need to get on your knees and pray. And I'm like, mm. if I could tell you how many times I have gotten on my knees yeah, and I'm said, away, Lord, like please, you know, like I do not want yeah. to experience this anymore. And so, mm. you know, I think that there was not only that, but when you're in a place of depression, you often mm. have a really tough time feeling God. And so I spent many years trying to, you know, wrap my mind around this idea of God's presence. I don't feel Mm -hmm. him. What does his love look like? I don't feel love right now. So all of those Mm -hmm. contributing, you know, on top of people saying, here, read this verse, let's study this Mm -hmm. together, you know, let's talk about more faith in this area. And so this whole idea of faith for me, really, I was just like, I, I need separation almost. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people maybe find themselves in that place of not knowing what to think about God, not knowing what to think about their faith community. They don't mm-hmm. know how to be honest about what they're experiencing because what they receive typically and what they are provided is that fix-it mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you know, for me, I kind of had to take um, a step back and identify that um, instead of trying to perform spiritually and uh, instead of trying to get myself in this place of I'm good with God by mm-hmm. reading the Bible more, journaling more, trying to create this picturesque Christian, 
I found that in my darkest moments, the simple act of trying to care for myself physically by going Mm -hmm. out for a walk and breathing fresh air and identifying that he has given me um, a body that I can, I can move. And I'm thankful for that ability. And so kind of reframing spirituality and faith and, and putting a new lens on it and, and seeing God in the midst of the simple things for me, um, being able to wake up and have a fresh new day. And so finding God in those little elements, not so focused on the spiritual focus, the scripture, reading the Bible, trying to defend my faith or have people, you know, defend my faith for me, but seeing God in the minute little areas of my life and, and connecting with him in those different ways. Wow. That is so rich. I mean, it's like the common grace that he provides for us in these spaces. I look at, you know, the story of Elijah, mm-hmm. right? Where he has this huge spiritual victory on Mount Carmel and he <laughs> throws down against the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Asherah, mm-hmm. this massive spiritual high. That he, and then he's on s- such an adrenaline rush that he runs ahead of the chariot, mm-hmm. you know, of Jezebel. <laughs> and then he finds himself in a place where he literally is like, God, I want to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's this very dark, mm-hmm. despondent place. Mm-hmm. And the way that God treats him Mm -hmm. is not by throwing a Bible verse at him. He literally goes, hey, eat something, something. take a nap, (laughs) go to sleep, you know, and then get up, eat something again, go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then he begins to confront the lies, the spiritual, the deeper rooted spiritual Mm -hmm. things that have led to this state Mm -hmm. where Elijah thought he was alone, you know? Yes. And I wonder, I mean, I feel like I'm having an epiphany right now because you're talking (laughs) about this. I wonder if there, if that is like, I, I hate to put like a formula behind things because mm-hmm. we're so much more complex to be able to say, yes. here's the step-by-step. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if there is um, a, a major element at which we have to first treat the physical side of this mm-hmm. thing to recalibrate ourselves in such a way, get ourselves in a place where we can do the deep work, the deep mm-hmm. spiritual work, the deep identity work that has kind of led us to this place. Yes. What, what would you guys, how would you, is that just totally off the wall? From <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I think you look at scripture, look at what Jesus did when he came. Like he didn't ignore the physical. I mean, mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. of his miracles. They're, they all involved some sort of physical aspect, like healing yeah. the blind, um, mm-hmm. feeding the 5,000. I mean, he, I think that that's one of the things that really, attracted us to mm-hmm. what the Grace Alliance was doing is that it was a more holistic view of mm-hmm. how God created us. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I think that it's so easy to s- try and separate like, okay, here, I'm going to go yeah. to the doctor on the side and then church on Sunday. And yeah. it's like, well, that's <laughs> not how God created us. Like, yeah. He didn't create us like as segmented beings. Um, right. And so you know, really learning what it means to integrate all of that. And I think what's cool about that is that like you get to see God present in all of it. It's like, Mm. you know, like Natalie was saying, like when you go on a walk, it's not just, oh, I need to get my exercise in. It's like, Mm -hmm. gosh, look at the ability that God has given me. Like how amazing is it that God created our brains to be happy after we've yeah. moved. Like, right. you know, I yeah. mean, these hormonal I, responses would happen yes, yeah. as we begin to move. Yeah. And, well, wow. and I think that's the cool thing too, about like really bringing the science and the faith together is that, mm. um, you know, like I don't, I don't have this huge science background. I did not like science in school, <laughs> but I think that the more I learn, I, 
the more I'm amazed at the way that God created us mm-hmm. because how everything works together. I mean, I just, sometimes I'm like, gosh, God is so smart. Like how did he, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the way that he created our brains to work and to respond to different things. And, um, I think is really incredible. The more you dig into it and the more you start to understand how our bodies work together and how it's yeah. all, um, you know, basically one piece, um, that has just different aspects of it. Um, and so, wow. you know, just kind of seeing that all work together, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I think would, I think, you know, Natalie would agree that that has been what has helped her process and, and even my process, you know, learning, okay, Hey, when I went through kind of this, this journey of helping her through, mm-hmm. um, her suffering and seeing, um, how my own faith struggled through that and how I isolated through that and how like physically my body was affected by that. Mm. Um, I think what I'm always amazed to see is like, you know, I'll look through some of the tools that we have and I'm like, I remember reading one of our workbooks the first time I was like, okay, every single person should have to do something like this. Like it's just really basic things that like we ignore as a, as a society Mm -hmm. in general. I think, you know, it would be so beneficial for anyone, no matter Mm -hmm. whether you're experiencing anxiety or depression or something more serious or nothing at all. Um, just, okay, these are some basic things that, um, you know, God has allowed us to be able to do. Um, and it's just a way of, um, taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the, what I felt when I went through financial peace university, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like, yeah. This. Why did they not teach us this in high school? Yes, like exactly. this would have been really helpful be before I got my first paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Before I began to, before the credit card things came in the mail. Yep. You know. And this is the same thing. You know, yeah, like yeah. emotional health. Yes. Why are they not teaching us this in high school? This should mm-hmm. be a prerequisite to yeah. stepping into college or stepping into the workforce. And yeah. And now it's and, and unfortunately it is a lot like. Um, finances where you don't go mm-hmm. and seek out the material until you find yourself at yeah. rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, well, we've got to do a lot of work now. Yeah, exactly. Because the preemptive work would have been a lot easier. Now it's like, <laughs> now we got to do more emergent type yeah. work. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I think that's what we can hope for the future mm-hmm. is that I feel like what we, um, you know, get to be a part of right now is, is helping the people who are already in the process mm-hmm. and who yeah. have gone through the whole season of, like not having people to talk to about it and mm-hmm. um, not having communities to support them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got, I mean, I guess my hope for like the generations to come is that they do have the preventative measures in place so that yeah. they don't need the support eventually because they know right. how to take care of themselves emotionally and mentally, spiritually, physically, um, all of those. Um, but right now I feel like we're playing catch up. Um, yeah. You know, like we're, we're trying to meet people um, in some of those more serious situations now, um, just I think because of unawareness and not a lot of, um, you know, just knowledge and education about it um, mm. that we have now. Wow. All right. I want to ask both of you guys mm-hmm. two questions, both of you to answer each of these two questions. Okay. 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 In, in each of your journeys individually, I know they're mm-hmm. connected, right? But in each of your journeys individually, one, first question, do you remember the darkest place you got to? Like, what was the darkest? And see if you can describe that for me. And how would you advise somebody who is in that place right now 
to begin? What would what are the first couple steps you'd advise them to take? Mm. Like remember the emotional state you were at. Remember like the th- the thing you had to do even mentally to like gear yourself up to go. No, I like I want this. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to heal. I want to get out of this. You know, it's kind of like that that moment with the invalid who had been invalid for thirty eight years yes. by the pools of Bethesda, right? Do you want to get better? Yes. Yeah. Do you want to be healed? There yeah. had to be like a switch for him to go. Yeah. I, okay. I do want this. I'm willing mm-hmm. to take the step to yeah. partner with Jesus in this. So those two questions: What was your darkest moment? Remember, what was it like <laughs> there? And how would you advise somebody like in that place to take a step? What's the first step you'd have them take? Mm. I, I had something come to mind right away, so I don't know about you, Case, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, jump, I'll jump in. Um, I think what came to mind first for me, it was one of the nights that we were in LA in our apartment, and I think Casey had already gone to bed, and I it was one of those nights that I could not sleep. Insomnia was mm. my worst enemy, and laying in bed with negative thinking over and over, you know, in that place of extreme, extreme darkness, and I remember going and grabbing an entire bottle of Tylenol PM, you know, and it mm. went back and forth in my mind. Do I take the entire bottle? Do I only take one or two? Like, do I take, you know, just the, the ping pong yeah. ball and having those desires of, I am tired of this. I am sick of this battle. I feel alone. Everything is crumbling. I, I don't know who God is, what the feeling mm. is. And so, you know, that, that darkness was just, it was just sinking in mm. and, um, I think my encouragement for someone in, in that state is to um, to know one, you're not alone, mm. and so I guess this is a two part a two part piece. That's okay. Um, <laughs> and, and and secondly, I think we fear not knowing what to do, and I think mm. not knowing what to do is okay. And to be able, the kind of the second encouragement would be to find just one person, maybe one or two, where you can say, "I'm not doing okay." And you don't need to have an answer. They don't need to have an answer. They don't have to have a game plan. You don't need to know what to do next, but just to take that first step of identifying, I am not okay. And I think sometimes when you are able to verbalize that to somebody, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. someone else is in the loop that I'm not doing well. And I think you can go many different directions from there, but I think just doing that small little step, and it's a huge step of faith, um, really can save mm-hmm. your life, I believe. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so good. Wow, man, thank you, Natalie. That was mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, Casey, what about you? Yeah, um, man, I could talk for a long time about, about this. <laughs> and Natalie and I have talked about that's this a okay. lot. You can talk um, for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think probably, um, you know, it's, I think, kind of the point she brought up. Uh, I think one of the hardest in darkest times was I, and it honestly may have been that same night was, um, coming out in the morning and finding, a, a pill bottle on the counter in our apartment and not knowing how many Natalie had taken. Um, and I think that that was a big turning point for us. Um, I think that that actually initiated the conversation where we just sat down and I was like, look, something has got to change. Like I am not equipped to help you, um, through this on my own. Um, and I know that it's scary to talk about this because, you know, there's a good chance that people won't think it's real. Um, and I get that, but, um, you know, like this is, this is not healthy for either one of us. And I don't know what I would do, um, if I like woke up and, and found something had happened to you. Um, and I know that, 
um, I mean, I hate that some of you have had to experience that because, um, I mean, <laughs> sorry, I try not to get emotional, here, <laughs> okay. yeah. but, um, you know, I think that that is why we talk about how it's so important to have a team of people around you yeah. because, right. um, you know, there isn't one person who is going to be able to save you, um, yeah. you know, and I think that God has given us some incredible resources and mm-hmm. um, I think that it's silly to not use them. And um, I think that there are times when he's just like, look what is in front of you. Like, mm-hmm. look, look at the things that I'm trying to use to help you. Um, and so um, I wow. think that that's, mm-hmm. that would be my number one thing that I would tell people is um, don't be afraid to use the mm-hmm. resources that God has yeah. has given. And that might look like, um, a family member that you need to reach yeah. out to and open up to. It might be a therapist. It might be trying medication. You know, there are so many things that God can use, um, you know, and all of those can be part of mm. um, what might be helpful for you. So, um, yeah, I think that that would be what I would say. Man, wow. That's unbelievably helpful because because I think so many times when people find themselves in these dark places, I mean, you alluded to it earlier, Natalie, you ask these questions, where's God? Mm-hmm. I don't feel him. Is he even real? Does mm-hmm. he even care if he is real? Am I alone in this? And, you know, what you want to, on someone who is kind of outside of the perspective looking on, you want to tell that person, hey, God has provided people around you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's evidence of his presence mm-hmm. and evidence of mm-hmm. his providence mm-hmm. that he's put these people in your life to help to be this team for mm-hmm. you. You've just got to take the the faith step, the vulnerable faith step mm-hmm. to reach out and go, hey, I need help. Mm-hmm. And that can be so difficult to do. And yet that releases, it activates this like mm-hmm. journey of healing yeah. that um that you're that you're desiring. And so you guys even called it. You call it the support team. Mm-hmm. I've heard. I heard both of you say this. Is this like the, the <laughs> verbiage that you guys use with Grace? Lewis, support team. Support network. Support yeah, team. Support. It does take amazing. a village. <laughs> yes, for it's sure. revolutionary. I think. I think it's a uh, to help people understand that, that mm-hmm. it takes a village, um, and you've got to and you got to identify who's wearing what hat. Yeah. On that team, you know. I mean, you hear it all the time in like leadership, success, business type things. Like you need to have a coach. You need mm-hmm. to have a you know, a lawyer, you need to have like, you need to have your team who helps mm-hmm. you move forward and whatever that is. Yeah. But like, this is true when it comes to emotional mm-hmm. health and healing yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, and wow. I, I, I do want to say one more thing, because I think, yes. you know, someone listening may say, well, my family member is not at a place where they're mm-hmm. willing to get help. And I think, you know, knowing that this is a process and a journey, and it took me 25 years to be willing to say I have something deeper wow. going on. And so knowing that, you can't force someone to do that, um, but it, it really does. It, it is a process, and so yeah. um, just that little piece of encouragement because I do know that there are some people who are like, I want my family member to you know to receive that hope and yeah. that care and that help, but they're not willing. Mm-hmm. Um, That's such a good point, Natalie. What would you say to somebody who is in that space where they're going? It doesn't seem like they want that. How would you advise them to proceed? What would be their next step? 
You know, I think um, it's a tough one because you you want to you want that overnight fix. You want you know your hope and your love for them is it, you want them to experience that sense right. of um, you know freedom or, or or just you know care. Um, and I think you know probably Casey, you can speak to this, but you know don't give up. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you know there there mm-hmm. is a lot of power in continuing to prayer continuing to pray and also bring other people, um, in to support you as you support your loved one. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think, you know, there's a, there's, it's a big issue, um, because in that process, you know, you, you need to create healthy boundaries and you, you know, don't want to enable your loved one. And there's so many pieces that go into it, but knowing that you have to care for yourself before you can care for your loved one is a huge, a huge Mm -hmm. element as well. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. One of the support groups that we have is specifically for family members. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of it is, you know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of family members that come in that say, like, my loved one is just not at a place where mm-hmm. they're actually even seeing what's going on. Um, and I think that like the best thing that they can do at that point is just educate themselves and take mm-hmm. care of themselves. Um, Cause a yeah. lot of times there's things that they can do, especially if their loved one is living with them that, can help without like their loved Mm. one even needing to be like on board with things, you know, it's like, how can I create a healthier environment in our home or how can I help with communication skills with my loved one? Or, um, I think there's a lot that can be done, um, even without the loved one at a place where they're willing to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, talk about it or, um, seek help. And, um, it's just, I mean, I think that that's something we learned really quickly, um, and what drew us, you know, to working with Grace Alliance is that they offered support for both the individual who was experiencing mm. those things and also the family. Um, cause I think that it's just as important, um, for both of those sides mm-hmm. to have support. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Man, guys, this has been incredible. Super helpful. I know has resourced people tremendously. And I thank you for being willing to share your story and your testimony yeah. and yeah. how God's brought you through this stuff. And 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 then on the other side, you're helping other people through mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a what a powerful ministry that you guys have. Thank and you. um that's so cool. Tell us how how can people uh get in touch with Grace Alliance? Um, if someone, you know, is like, man, I want to, I really want to reach out and be a part of this Mm -hmm. or to, you know, even support Grace Alliance or whatever that looks like, how can we find out more information? Yeah. Yeah. So you can visit our website. It's just mentalhealthgracealliance.org. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, um, on both of those, it's just the Grace Alliance. Um, and there's more information on all of those places about resources, um, And we have some free resources on there. Um, We offer, um, you know, really like what we tell people is, um, you know, making sure that there's support in your area. You know, people want to know how to get involved. And I think that starting a support group in your area is one of the best ways to do that. And we um, have free video training for that. Um, So, you know, we try and keep things at the lowest cost possible. Um, Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's one of the best ways. And we always um, are offering different opportunities. And, um, you know, you can find all of that information on um, any one of those platforms. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, this has been a tremendous conversation. Uh, tremendously helpful for me. I know to so many people who are listening to this and, uh, mm-hmm. and hope-filled. You yeah, know, my prayer is that somebody is listening to this right now and they're like, in that place where they're going, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And you guys have just spoken 
so much hope and healing mm. into their headphones and giving them practical next steps. That's what I love about yeah. this, you know yes. what you guys are doing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. you. So Thanks for welcome. joining me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for thank having you. us. Yeah. Oh man. I wish we could do another hour. Yeah. This. this would be so much fun. <laughs> Us too. We, we like talking um, about it. Yes. No. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me. Right now, what we want to do is we want to kick it over to one of our resident counselors, Allison Cook, as she provides us a little bit of commentary and kind of her thoughts from an expert's position on this particular episode. So here now from Allison Cook. So, wow, the Grace Alliance is doing amazing things. I'm so grateful to hear Casey and Natalie talk about their story and how they turned something that really could have been hard. It could have been the end of a friendship. It could have gone a lot of different ways. They turned it into something beautiful. So I love this story. I want to touch on anxiety. Um, Natalie talks about her anxiety, and she does a great job of explaining exactly what happens with anxiety. You might have a predisposition to anxiety. You might have a predisposition to depression. And you may look into your, at your family of origin and the family patterns and see some of those things. That doesn't mean that you have a life sentence, sentence of feeling miserably. Um, what it means is you really wanna take care of your emotional and mental health. Your brain is extremely malleable. There are things that you can do to improve the health of your brain and to reduce the instances of anxiety and to just improve your overall well-being. So I loved what she said about um, just learning how to care for her body, learning about the connection between the mind and the body. And then the fact that she went to see a psychiatrist, went to see a therapist, learned healthy habits, learned the ways to minimize that sensitivity or that predisposition that she realized she had to anxiety. Um, secondly, I want to talk about codependency. They talked a lot about how their friendship early on was um, what they would call codependent. And I really appreciated their honesty about this because it's so common. And I wanted to give you some signs of codependency. Um, so for example, and they touched on this one, when there's that high, that feeling of, oh my gosh, finally this one person in the world understands me. You can sort of create a little bubble. This can happen in romantic relationships too. And it's a little bit of a red flag. It doesn't mean the relationship is bad. It just means you want to be careful. Um, we are made to be in community. We are made to have multiple friends. And so if one person starts taking up all of your time, that is a red flag that there might be something codependent going on. Um, you Codependency also, another sign of it is feeling guilty if you do something without the other person or you're putting your friend's needs above your own always. You're sort of walking on eggshells around them, that you have a sense of responsibility for that person's health that really isn't yours to bear. Um, that you become the primary or sole source of, of your friend's support. You really want to watch out for those things because we do need a team. I think, you guys, I think you guys mentioned this in the episode. It takes a village. We really need a team um, around us. And especially if you're struggling with anxiety, depression, any sort of mental illness, you want a few different people that are checking in on you. It's, good, it's just a good life practice. Um, I wanted to also talk a little bit about boundaries um, because boundaries, we see two types. I always see two types 
of boundary problems. And the first type is we're consumed by another person. And typically that's what codependency looks like. It's like we become consumed with this other person. We're trying to fix them. We're trying to help them. And usually we are getting a need met by doing that. It's both both parties in that equation are unhealthy as they so aptly described in their um, in their conversation. But there's another type of boundary problem and that's staying distant. It's staying sort of siloed, isolated. I don't need people. That's also a boundaries issue. We need, and I always try to talk to people about overlapping circles. And I go back to the old days of the Venn diagram where you've got two circles and they're overlapping where you've got that those areas of commonality, but there's a lot of space that's left for each of you to have individual interests, individual hobbies, friendships with other people. This is true in romantic relationships. It's true in friendships. And those boundaries really help define, hey, this is where you and I overlap. This is where we're different. And let's celebrate both. And those boundaries really help you stay whole and healthy in your relationships. And then the last thing I want to talk about is what psychologists call spiritual bypassing. And this came up in the episode when they talked about how we, we can spiritualize our anxiety and we can also do this to other people. So someone might come to us and say, man, I'm really struggling with anxiety. And we say, oh man, you need to pray more. Let me pray for you. Let's get, let's get God on board. And, it's, and they did a good job in the episode of saying, it, I was doing those things. I, Natalie was, I was doing those spiritual disciplines. It wasn't helping. This wasn't a spiritual issue. And the problem, so when we, what, what spiritual bypassing means is it means we bypass, we try to deny or avoid or ignore unwanted emotions, such as anxiety, sadness, envy is one, anger is another. And we do that by sort of using spiritual platitudes or hiding behind spiritual activities instead of really bringing those unwanted feelings, those unwanted experiences out into the open where God can actually heal them. You can't heal or transform something you're not openly acknowledging. And so when we encourage people to pray their anxiety away or to pray their depression away, what we're really doing is encouraging them to avoid dealing with them. And it's not helpful. What we want to do is get curious about what's going on. We want to get curious about our friends who are struggling. Oh, gosh, you know, it seems like you're struggling a little bit with that. How can I help? Tell me more about that. How can I help you get help? And the same way we want to be with ourselves, we want to get curious about, man, I seem to struggle with anxiety more than some of my friends. I wonder what that's about. There's no shame in this. This is just learning about yourself. There's so much help out there. There are so many people who can come alongside you. There are counselors, there are doctors, there are pastors. There are wonderful people who can come alongside you if you're willing to face those hard things. Um, I love that they talked about how we don't get courses in high school on emotional health. And that's why I, in the work I'm doing, I've been developing courses. They're exactly right. Just like them, I've been developing courses on how do you develop healthy boundaries? How do you develop emotional wholeness? These are things you can learn, but you have to face the, face the reality before you can learn them. So I would just encourage each of you to take a minute and take some inventory about how you're tending to your emotional health, to your boundaries. That was so good. I have loved having Allison on our podcast mm -hmm. for the last three episodes. Thank you, Allison, for um, just all of your thoughts and yeah. advice and um, 
wisdom that you've shared with us. We look forward to having you on the podcast um, on future episodes as well. So thank you for joining us. Um, And don't forget to uh, download Ryan's music at Sleeping At Last. He provides all the music Mm -hmm. for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. And we are so thankful um, that he has. And so you're going to want to download it, put it in your earphones. It's some good stuff. Yeah. Mel, next week we're starting a new series. Uh, This is a series on sexual betrayal. And we're going to also bring another resident counselor onto these episodes to give us some thoughts on that. So if you've enjoyed this over the past three weeks with Dr. Allison Cook, you're going to enjoy what we have for you for the next four weeks. And uh, next week's episode is with Cameron and Carissa Sprinkle. And uh, they've, they've got an incredible story. But what's interesting is part of their story deals with the issue of mental health and part of it deals with sexual betrayal. So we sandwiched it right here in between our mental health series and our sexual betrayal series as kind of a bridge. So before we sign off, why don't you listen to a clip from next week's episode with Cameron and Carissa Sprinkle. It was February 9th um, of 2017. He texted me. I was home um, in the afternoon. I remember I was just like sitting at the computer with um, Scarlett was on, that's our daughter. She was on my lap and um, he just texted me and said, hey, I'm coming home and I have something I need to tell you. And um, Kathy's going to be meeting me there. So Kathy was like a mentor to me. She's kind of been one of those women I've met with through the years. who's just been a great support and encourager. And I... It was the weirdest thing. I really had no concept of what was coming. And yet at the same time, I just had this gut feeling of life's just really going to change right now. You could tell it felt heavy. Like I was like, this is life changing. Yes. And I was like, why would Kathy need to be here? Like, what could you possibly tell me that she would need to be here for this? Um, And so I walked upstairs, put Scarlett down for a nap, walked back downstairs, sat on the couch and stared out the window And I remember just, it was the longest 15 minutes of my life. I was just like, okay, I don't know exactly what this is. I knew things were wrong. I just didn't know what was wrong. Um, So Kathy got there first. She walked in the door. She'd been on the phone with him and she was crying. And I said, honestly, Kathy, I don't know why you're here. And she said, it's bad. 